0: All Hallow's Eve is a day of mischief and trickery. Based in pagan ritual, where donning costumes of monsters was said to ward off ghosts, we now use this opportunity to dress in a myriad of costumes, ranging from Hollywood monsters, characters and personalities from our favorite TV shows, and more. Of course, another modern-time tradition has been watching horror movies. Whether of the gory, scary, or creep-inducing variety, we all love curling up on the couch in the dark and scaring ourselves with a good film. The horror genre is massive, and there are a lot of flavors to choose from. Today's subject is a personal favorite of mine and is among the more artful horror films from an Italian horror master. A film that is a treat for the senses and one that has inspired many directors to create more intriguing horror movies ever since. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a can of Natty Bo from our friends at the National Bohemian in the great city of Baltimore. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. Italian horror is known for its artistry and creativity, and today's subject is no different a slasher film about a dance school in Germany, Suspiria is a treat for horror fans. A particularly good watch this Halloween season, it's a film with lots of colors, textures, and expression, all centered around the macabre. Just as important as the visuals, the sounds of Suspiria are equally impressive and legendary. The sounds in the film lend themselves perfectly to the subject matter, and the music seemingly bewitches our ears to provide a complete sensory delight. Written and recorded by the Italian band Goblin, the music uses an array of instruments to build the creepy score. Suspiria is about a young American woman named Susie Banion who arrives in Germany to study dance at a famous academy. Far from home, she exits the airport into the arrival lane to get a taxi at night. It is pouring rain outside as she runs with her bags to try and hail an oncoming cab. A car finally does arrive, and Susie loads her bags into the car and enters the vehicle. Rain-soaked, She tries to pronounce the name of the academy for the driver, but after getting... What? She eventually holds up a piece of paper for him to see. Looking backward over his shoulder to read the text, he turns forward and exclaims, Eschstrasse, ja, ja. They pull away as Susie gazes out the window, composing herself. On the journey, we see exterior shots and shots of Susie in the car as bright, colorful lights intrude the cab from outside. Eventually, we see a forest of very tall tree trunks, virtually leafless. Suddenly, the cab's headlights are seen as the lays interrupted as they get closer, passing through the trees. Once through the numerous trunks, we see the facade of the academy appear in front of us. It's a tall, red building with a lot of little windows and a very ornate wooden front middle window frame and door. We have arrived at the academy that Susie will attend, a dance academy for women filled with knowledge, mystery, and danger. Suspiria is a horror film from the Italian director Dario Argento. The aesthetic, look, and pace of the film is uniquely his, as the film is equal parts slasher and mystery. It is also a true treat for the eyes, with many vivid colors and interesting textures, all of which are complemented by the cinematography. Within the walls of the dance academy, there are luscious walls of blue and red velvet which delight the eyes. The color red in particular plays a big role in the film as it is sprinkled throughout and recurs when danger is near. There are a lot of things I love about Dario's works, but I love the mystery element of each film. The way he teases and reveals his clues to not only the identity of each murderer, but also trying to unlock the secrets of what the hero has seen in their memory, is fantastic. Most of his films feature a killing maniac of some kind who is a little too in tune to their unstable mind. Another thing I enjoy is that a lot of the main or prominent women in his films are all strong and independent women, and Susie Banyan fits that mold perfectly. The story of the film is fairly straightforward, but is filled with wonderful nuances and twists. The plot, when boiled down, is that Susie arrives at her dance academy in Germany after a student has been brutally murdered on the grounds. While getting to know her classmates and attending classes, she becomes ill while other murders occur. Susie soon becomes a target, and she must find out who is responsible for the crimes committed before it is too late. One of the hallmarks of this film is its surrealism. The whole movie has the feel of being in a sort of other world, or twisted fairy tale. Part of that comes from the writing, as Dario was inspired by fairy tales including Snow White. In fact, part of the inspiration led to the original writing of the dance academy as a school for girls aged 8 to 10. The studio got nervous about this, however, because of Argento's strive for perfection and instead opted for more of an all-woman collegiate dance academy. The only time we see some of that original planning come to light in the film is when Susie has dialogue with other students at the school. One of the main times, for instance, is in the locker room the first time we meet other girls at the academy. One of them, Olga, is teasing Sarah about being a snake and the two trade childish comebacks involving stuck out tongues and silly faces. The cast in this film includes Jessica Harper, as the lead role of Susie Banyan. It also includes seasoned performers like Joan Bennett, who had been playing in film since the 20s as Madame Blanc. Also a seasoned veteran was Alida Valley, who plays Miss Tanner, and she had been acting since the 30s, and the two women really helped to ground the film more into reality while all of the other surrealism goes on around them. Another reason why Suspiria has such a great aesthetic and visual look is because of its production. Despite being released in the late 70s, it was made using three-strip Technicolor. Technicolor became big in the 30s and was made famous by The Wizard of Oz in 1939. It's a very intriguing subject within the realm of film. Technicolor looks really beautiful and the quality stands the test of time, but only a handful of films were released per studio per year using Technicolor. The lack of films per year utilizing the technique makes one wonder why more films weren't made using it. The answer is a multi-layered one, but like a lot of things it came down to money and effort. Each film required specialized cameras lots of lighting, and a camera operator who is familiar with Technicolor. Eventually, more technology was invented, and film studios could not justify the expense any longer. And in the 50s, just 20 years after its arrival, Technicolor was on the decline. One of the last American films made using it was released in 1975, a little film starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, called Godfather Part Two. So in 1976, when filming was about to get underway, Argento had his eye on using the dwindling method, but had to fight to secure the opportunity. Why, you ask? Well, in Rome, the Technicolor Processing Company was closing its doors due to having no business. They even began scrapping all of their equipment they had on hand. Argento, recognizing the repercussions this would have on his filming, had to act fast. Wanting the look and vibrancy that Technicolor provided, Argento pleaded with the company to keep at least one functional machine around until production ceased. The company agreed and kept one working machine around to process and develop the film. After the reels were processed, Dario's dream of having his film in Technicolor was realized, and by the time Suspiria was released in 1977, the machine that made its visuals possible had been scrapped. Without the use of that last machine, the film would not have the look that has garnered so much praise all these years. It just goes to show the true quality of the medium. Suspiria holds a very special place in my heart. It was the first horror film that I had seen, at the time, that had layers to it. It wasn't all about scares and gore. There was great camera work, suspense, mystery, and the colors. Oh, the colors. I was mesmerized by what I was seeing and hearing. It was because of this film that I started searching out more of Dario Argento's films. Soon I was watching Deep Red, Tenebra, and The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I bought his films on DVD and built up a nice collection for myself. This led to me seeking out other directors and points of view, and I can say with the utmost certainty that without Suspiria, I would not be as interested in film as I am today. I'm sure there's a film like that for you as well the one that opened the door to the beautiful art form of cinema. There are a lot of scenes that stick out to me in this film. Obviously, the beautiful multicolored stained glass ceiling and the role it plays is iconic, but one of my favorite scenes deals with the gymnasium. At one point in the film, All the girls who are staying at the academy are moved into one large gymnasium where each girl is assigned a cot. There is also a large partition in the form of white bedsheets hung up on clotheslines that separate the staff from the students. When the lights go out, for everyone to fall asleep, darkness is replaced by blood-red light, as if they were sleeping in a dark room. We see shadows of people getting ready for bed on the other side of the translucent sheets, while Susie and Sarah lie down and begin to talk. They are sleeping directly in front of one of the partitions. Next, we see a close-up of the sheets, as the sound of wheezing and whispers can be heard. The camera rises to show the students sleeping as it hovers over the cots. Soon we see a shadow move from behind the sheets and lie down behind them. Within the music of Goblin, we can hear wheezing and grunting from the figure behind them. Sarah wakes up and nudges Susie awake while moving to kneel by the foot of her bed. Sarah begins talking as the camera zooms in slowly. They lied to us. The directress is here. That's her. One who's snoring. She's the directress. Susie asks, How do you know? At this point, the camera is close up on both women and they are inches apart from each other. Sarah begins, I'm sure it's her. Last year, for a while, I lived in one of the guest rooms, the ones at the top of the stairs. One night, I heard someone come very late and get into bed in the room next to mine. And then, then I heard this weird kind of snoring. I tell you, it was so weird that I never forgot it. Listen, hear that whistle? It's exactly the same. Then, the next morning, Madame Blanc told me that the directress had spent a few hours at the school and had slept in the room next to mine. You see? So I know she's the directress. She's here. She's there. Right behind that sheet. I love that scene. The lighting is fantastic, as it's a wash in a brilliant red hue, and the faces of both Sarah and Susie read like the retelling of a ghost story on a campfire. It's creepy and effective without knowing who or what the directress is. It's a great scene, and my words do not do it justice. It's definitely something you'll have to experience for yourself to appreciate. Another great scene that I absolutely love is when Daniel, the blind piano player at the academy, is at a German bar at night. We see a group of men dancing on a table with Lederhosen on as yodeling music plays in the background. Daniel, who is sitting down, soon gets up and exits the bar with his seeing-eye dog going into the night air. The yodeling slowly starts to fade as we're on the street now and chimes start to play the intro to the theme song. We pass by some people also walking and then into a massive stone courtyard between two very large government-type looking buildings. Soon, the dog begins to bark, as if to ward off danger. Daniel, who is blind, begins to look around frantically, trying to direct his ear to the danger his seeing-eye dog perceives. He becomes more and more panicked and fearful, as less and less becomes clear. The sequence is sprinkled with shots of him, the dog, their surroundings, and close-ups of the buildings. The scene is so well done, between the sound editing, the creation of fear and suspense, and the room it creates to let our imagination conspire against us. I love pretty much everything about it, and I will leave most of it besides what I have described for you to discover on your own. Suspiria opened my eyes to how artful film can be, and influenced me to watch different films and genres. It introduced me to a great director whose films I thoroughly enjoyed, and made me want to watch films from other countries and other influences. I also developed an affinity for the iris flower as well. Now, if you're wondering what role that plays, well you'll have to tune in to find out. I can't say enough good things about this movie. There's been a lot of talk recently about the, quote, remake, but I feel that it lacks a lot compared to the 70s classic. Argento's fantastical and terrifying vision dream is a true must see for both horror fans and film fans who love artful concepts. Also, just a shout out, Another of my favorites of Argento's films is Four Flies on Grey Velvet, which I feel is a lesser-known work, but is also well-deserving of a watch. I am truly shocked and a little disappointed in this, but at the time of this recording, Suspiria is very hard to find on streaming services. The great news, however, is that our friends at Tubi Have the 70s horror classic from the Italian master for your viewing pleasure. Tubi is a free service that has a lot of quality films in its offerings, and the app is widely available as well on things like iOS, Android, the Amazon Fire Stick, and Roku. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, please visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There, you'll find some background on the show and also a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. If you like this podcast, tell your friends or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with a beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.